thing here. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Police Off the Cuff After Hours, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon. I'm a 27-year retired veteran of the NYPD. I retired out of Manhattan North Homicide Squad. And with me today, I have a great NYPD cast. Below me is Miss Homicide, Irma Rivera, who did 25 years on the NYPD, retired as a first-grade detective, additionally had many, many years working as a Manhattan Special Victims detective. Uh, She checks all the boxes. On the upper right, is Phil Grimaldi, straight out of Brooklyn. You know how they say straight out of Compton? He's straight out of Brooklyn. He's a retired second-grade detective from the Intelligence Division, but he worked many years in the 6-0 squad. Phil, welcome to the show. And tonight, Thanks, Bill. a superstar guest has a great podcast called Crime Time with Duty Ron. Of course, is the great Duty Ron. Thank you for and having me, this is a This is an NYPD extravaganza, and... We're here to talk about a case that all of us on the NYPD have worked these cases before, these missing person cases. And believe me, you read, as Duty Ron calls it, you read all these chats on Facebook. He calls it fake book. And you can't believe everything they say because most of them have about zero seconds on a police department. Everyone here, if you put our years together, we'd have probably close to 100 years of police experience. So we've all worked missing person cases. They're very, very difficult, but all investigations have a certain tone to them. And you you can really only get the feel of what the investigation is like when you're working the investigation. So what we know is that Summer Wells is a five-year-old girl, and she's been she was reported missing on June 15th from her home. And she is a... Um, at this point, it's been three weeks, all right? Uh, I'm going to play a short little uh, video to get an idea of um, her parents and uh, just to see some of the statements they've made um, in regards to this case. And um, I'm going to share this video, and we'll listen to that, and then we'll come back and we'll, um, we'll make comments about, uh, about what we just heard. There's a lot to talk about here, folks, so hang on. Sure is. I know she didn't want away from this property by herself or off this yard by her swing. I feel in my heart that somebody has came up here and took her and has lured her away from here. The parents of missing five-year-old Summer Wells saying they never thought she was in the woods near their home, but that they believe she was abducted. Search crews combing through nearly five square miles around the Wells' home. I have to do one step at a time, I guess, but I'm sorry that they had to spend so many man hours in these woods and everything. I've seen them limping and everything else, you know, and I feel for them. Summer, not the first girl to go missing in her family. When my sister called missing, I was in between Arkansas and Tennessee. I don't know all of what happened or what did happen, but I hope that they find her too. When you see cases like that, that's why I lose hope on summer. You know, I want to keep hope, but sometimes I just, I, I, I just, I lose hope. Lose it. Fear beginning to spread through the Wells' home as Summer remains missing. 
And then it really bothers me to find out that we've had sex offenders living within eight minutes of my house. Keep a close watch on your kids. Yes. Don't let them out of your sight. Summers' parents saying they wish they could search every structure in America if it could help lead to finding her. Now that we know she's not in the woods anywhere, I wish we could focus on finding her. You know, I don't know what or I don't know. Unbelievable, right? I mean, some of the things that we've um, that we heard in that video. I don't know how you can speak in absolutes when you're talking about something that you don't know anything about. I just want to go over a little bit. Uh, and one of the things I would just like to go to non to talk to non police people. The first thing that the police do in a missing person case is they search the home of the missing person. That is the very first thing they do. They search the entire house. And then in this case, what I would do is what's called a spiral search. I would start from the home and go outward in that fashion and search in that way. Because she, first of all, she's a five-year-old girl. If she walked off, how far could she have gotten in that time? Now, some of the things that bother me, and one of the main things that bother me is that the mother... Um, she called the father first to report to report some missing. Like, why didn't she call directly to 911? That bothers me a little bit. And just the way that they were um, talking in regards to, oh, we know she got abducted. Now that they haven't found her in the woods, they're talking in absolutes. And that to me that was a red flag for me too, Bill. That was a hundred percent. That raises a red flag for me. But you know, yeah. some of the let's go to um Miss Homicide, Irma Rivera, and let, I'd like to hear what your take on this, Irma. She's muted. Oh, okay. She's getting well, She's okay. It. I said, why do I have to be first? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like ladies in my first, ladies first. You know, that doesn't work in the police department. Um well, my, everybody's blaming the parents. Again, like on the West case, the same thing happened on the West case. Everybody blamed the parents. You know, on this particular case, I think because the parents seem to be like ignorant Southern people, people are blaming them right away. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I think the girl could have been abducted from the woods. Why not? The woods are right behind her house. Another thing that I, a possibility that I thought about that could have happened, maybe one of the brothers shot her with a gun because I see that the boys were playing with guns earlier. I had seen a, a video, a picture of them all with guns, but there'll be some blood or there'll be something. But I think that she could have definitely been abducted from her house. And I and I would check the people in the church. She's so involved in the church. Um, I feel that a lot of bad people join churches, you know, and who knows, maybe somebody sees her, they think that she's not being cared for properly by her family. Maybe they took them for herself, for themselves, or maybe it's a pedophile, but, you know. It's you know, Irma, I just want to show uh, on the screen uh, an aerial view of their home. There's woods behind their home. Yeah, so you could see how remote that is. But any, Yeah, but their house is on a hill. So say somebody in the church knows, sees her, someone in the church, someone in town sees her, they can hang out in those woods and wait around for her. I mean, I don't see th th anything wrong with it, that that can't be a possibility. Like, can I go second, Bill? Go ahead. 
<laughs> I'll wait no till Irma's done. No, I, I, I feel like it could be a possibility. Yeah, you know? no, I agree. I agree. And the same thing happened on the West case. You know, everybody was saying maybe the parents, the parents, but you know, how many kids are missing in this area of Tennessee in Eastern Tennessee? How many kids are missing there? There are there are a lot, Irma, and and these are all contributing factors. But uh, if I can expand quickly on this bill, and I'd, and I'd, I'd I'd like to just take a moment to to let the folks know who are joining in. First of all, thank you for coming in to watch this broadcast with this esteemed panel. Um, when I did my very first video on this uh, case, I only had the father to go with. There was no uh, parents that uh, spoke together. It was just Don Wells. And I said from the get-go, my detective's intuition and my hair on my arms and, and my uh, my first sense it said that it stunk to high heavens, and I still stand by that. And I'm going to tell you two different reasons why I feel it stinks to high heavens, is if your five-year-old daughter goes missing at 1.30 in the afternoon, your daughter goes missing at 1.30 in the afternoon, and then you report or make a phone call to your husband at four or five or six thirty at night, that tells me that there's there's a problem. Uh, you know, there's a problem with breakdown of communication because as parents, we know if the second you lose eyes on your kid, you're calling either the police or you're calling your um your your um um you're you're, you're making phone calls to get help. And that to me is a clear indicator that there was something wrong right from the get go. And being that these folks live in the middle of nowhere. It, for me, takes away from the abduction thing, because if she was, in fact, abducted in two minutes, as the mother told the story, she said, basically, the mom said, I, I, I went and I told the boys to look at, watch after her, watch after Summer, and then two minutes later, I came back and she was gone. So if somebody grabbed her in that remote area, she definitely would be within miles of the location, hence why would you take three or four hours or maybe even five hours before you called 911? It just doesn't add up. The whole story stinks to high heaven. I, I, think the, I think the mother didn't know she was missing for a while. That's what I think really happened. I think the mother just didn't, you know, the girl's running around, you know, she's playing in the backyard. But, but in her statement that she made, uh, she finally made a statement with her husband. She said that she she was out of her sight for just a moment. Yeah, that, I don't believe that. I mean, first of all, if you're in your backyard, I mean, you don't watch your kids if you're in your backyard, especially <clears> in a rural <throat> area like that. Why would you be watching the, her, her every minute? I think the mother might just feel guilty because she probably wasn't watching her. And maybe she's saying that. But I, I think that somebody could have abducted her. Why not? Yeah. But, you know, guys, let me just interject one thing here. If the mother's claiming that, first of all, she, she was planting flowers or plants with her, with the grandmother, then she wanted to go into the house to be with her brothers. This was her statement. And when she went into the house, she has three brothers. She asked them, where is Summer? And they said, oh, she went downstairs to play with her toys. She goes downstairs, no Summer. At that point is when she determined that she was missing. So there's many people involved. The three brothers... They, of course, should be interviewed. Did they see her come into the house? Did they see her go down into the basement? And then after that, you know, if where did she go after that? No one saw her walk out of the basement. I mean, these, it's an incredible story. Phil, what do you think about this? Oh, I got a lot to say about this. First off, the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation looks like they put a lot of manpower into this investigation. OK, I watched a few clips on uh, the Internet. Um 
What I would do right from the jump is I would get solid interviews of all of the people that were present when she was allegedly missing. Now, once I had good solid interviews on all of those people, I would, as the search was being conducted and all of that, I would then try to reach out a little further, maybe friends. I would get the grandmother and maybe ask a friend or a relative or a neighbor, what did the grandmother say about the way she was being raised as far as was she happy with all of that? Now, all of that is preliminary stuff. We know it was all done. From what I see, in my opinion, it looks like law enforcement is convinced that her body is somewhere in the area because there's been extensive searches and the uh, the Bureau, Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, they asked for people to check their property because obviously it's rural. And they said, when it's grass cutting time, please be careful. Uh, check. If you don't have the ability to check yourself, I guess if someone's incapacitated, they asked that you call the sheriffs and they would check their property. So, I mean, look, a lot has gone on in this case in the three weeks that this young lady is missing. And I think that in one of the press conferences was about a week ago, the spokesperson said, we're not going to discuss everything that we know or have done to protect the integrity of the investigation. That's one of my big things when I did a case. I always believed in that. You want to release some things, but not everything. And it looks like they have a clear direction that they're going in. Now, the abduction is quite possible. It doesn't seem that likely to me. Now, there's two things that happened that I read uh, or, or I saw on the internet that would make uh, uh, the investigation a little more difficult. The area's rules, cell service is very, very spotty there. So if you do start to uh, zero in on someone and you're looking at cell phone records, it's going to be very difficult. I was upstate about two weeks ago in Saugerties and the cell phones weren't working just a few miles out of the city in upstate New York. The other thing is there's not a lot of video cameras because the, the, I think the property that they live on is many acres and probably there's some... Uh, neighboring areas that may have uh, videos. Now, they did mention that there was a red or maroon Toyota Tacoma pickup truck in the night. It looked like a work truck, but they stressed that they didn't think that this person was a person of interest, however, possibly a witness. So to me, it looks like they have a clear direction that they're going in. And unfortunately, and I, I, I say this with the hope that I'm 100% completely wrong, I think they think that this young lady is no longer with us and that She's been dumped because they're doing extensive searches. Now, I, I agree. Searches need to be done right from the beginning. You know, look like if she wandered off. We're talking three weeks in. Three weeks in tells me they got a direction that they're going with this thing. And they think that something happened to her and maybe she was placed somewhere in the neighboring, neighboring area. And that looks to be the target of the search area. So, I mean, the abduction thing, I don't know. Um Erman made a very good point. Maybe in the church, someone could have targeted her. If it was an abduction, I would think it would be somebody that knew the area, knew the layout, and knew her and her family. So that is a, a, a quite possible scenario. But I would think that in the middle of the day, it seemed like it was going on. There was some activity. I don't think that someone would strike at that point to do an abduction. They would probably do it late at night or in the middle of the night, you know, how about so, she know, how about she knows them? How about she knows the person from the church and the person saw her in the, maybe came to her woods and called her over and she went over. We can't say no. We don't know because we weren't there, but well, um, I didn't say no. I said anything's possible. And I would think that with all the activity though, there would have been somebody that would have saw that. And, and look, the, the, the way that the parents are portraying themselves in the media, they did that interview 
they didn't come out looking good. I mean, if we had Joe Murray here, he'd say it wasn't a good look. It wasn't <laughs> a good look. You know, they, they, they both look like they were high. And exactly. you know, there's a domestic violence collar, let's say, uh, seven, eight months ago, October 10, uh, 2020, where he was drunk. There was police called. He was arrested. He had an illegal firearm. So there's definitely, uh, you know, uh, history in this family. And so, I mean, the possibilities of an abduction, I don't, I wouldn't take it off the, the, the table right now from what I would see, but I would think the, the way that the search is going and the look of the people. And I think that the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation has a clear direction they're going in. I, I think that this case is going to be solved and I think there's going to be arrests on it sometime soon. In the near Andrew DeStefano, retired NYPD captain. Thank you so much for the 9999 super chat and welcome the police off the cuff, real crime stories. I just wanted to say in the very beginning of this investigation, we'll talk about the investigation, not specifically the search, although we know, of course, the search is part of the investigation. And we hear the term victimology. And victimology, of course, we're going to look at Summer Wells, but really we're looking at the family. And what we find out is the father, Dan, has an extensive, extensive criminal history. All right. He's got other red flags that that bother me, too. And the mother, all you can see, she's got problems, too. There's some domestic violence problems. He has some uh, violence problems, alcohol problems, possibly drug problems, too. So, you know, as the great John Jay College professor Maki Haberfeld said, uh, a good indicator of future conduct is past conduct. And so I, if I, I was one of the main investigators on this, I would be looking at him and the wife. 100% because I don't like what I see. And I'm sure that the t Tennessee people uh, with the FBI, they're doing a great job. Bill, Bill so I don't mean to interrupt you, but that should definitely be done for the purposes of, yes, let's look at them. And you could also maybe eliminate them as being suspects too. So I'm sure that they're, they're Bill, 100%. At them. But you know Absolutely. something we want to look How at? How do you know they haven't? How do you know they haven't? Eliminated? No, no, no. I'm sure they have. I'm just saying this is what we would do. I'm not criticizing them in right, any way, shape, or form. I'm just telling the fans out there, what the police should be doing. All right. Arrest history on both complaint history. How many complaints have been made out of that house? How many complaints have been made against Don? You know, how That's many complaints? See, I think the mother may have fallen asleep. She may have been drunk. I mean, who knows what the mother did, but the mother, I don't think really was watching her. Why would you watch your child in your backyard when you live in a rural area like that? I wouldn't be watching my kids. They probably run around all the time. She probably runs around. What, what did they have to watch her? I think the mother made that statement about the fact that she went missing for two minutes is because she wasn't yeah, watching. Yeah, but remember, she's, she's five years old. She's five so years old. Yeah. I would think watching her would be the proper thing, you know, even in home. a rural area, you know? Right, but she's home. You know what I mean? Like, she's yeah. home. She's well, look, we, we all could agree here that both these parents are not um, stand-up right. stand citizens. She's taking a gun collar. He's taking a gun collar. He's taking um, burglary, um, uh, so everything right across the board. Um, he's right. been arrested in like five different states. Utah was his uh, best um, criminal activity state. He's been locked up in Utah like uh, close to eight or nine times. But at the end of the day, the story just doesn't add up. It just seems like a made-up story. I don't believe for one the minute that, kid, that I don't believe for one minute that that kid was sent down to the basement by the boys or the no. that she wanted to go play. That is a story. That that is a.
scripted story. It is definitely made up and it's poorly made up. And at the end of the day, it's the investigator's job to unfold this case and put the pieces of the puzzle together. And I'm sure, as Bill said, they're doing all of the investigative steps because the TBI, who is um, Leslie Earhart, Sheriff Lawson, and um, all of the folks that are in, involved, we don't even have names from the FBI, but they're all getting together and they're using all of their forensics capabilities. There's no, listen, I had a guest on that donated $2,000, a young college student. He couldn't even get a, a cell connection. He told me he went to the best spot possible. If you look at all the reporters, they're doing re news reports from a berm on a hill and they can't move. One of the news reporters says, if we move two feet to the left, we don't lose, we lose our signal. So everything is challenging, but at the end of the day, these folks don't seem like the brightest tools in the shed. They are going to make, they had to have made a mistake. I, I believe they have or will make a mistake and the stories will, um, the, the story will unfold on them as the investigation goes. Duty Ron, on the screen, I have um, Summer with her three brothers. Now, I believe they're like nine, 10, and 12. So they are definitely at almost a swearable age and they can be believed and what they see. Uh, can be reported and they can be believed. They're old enough to be believed. Yeah. So I'm sure that they have been interviewed by the FBI and the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. And these are things, and we talk about this all the time, investigation, nothing happens quickly. If you want a good investigation, you have to wait until we get the solid information. Because I used to, that used to drive me crazy on the NYPD. Uh, they would call and say, what do you got on the case? Nothing yet. Yeah. Well, what do you mean you got? No well, because investigation takes time, you know. Oh, the chief isn't going to like this. And I was like, I could give a shit what he likes or not. You know, Bill, you made a point earlier about the absolutes that they were speaking in. And I think that that's very telling, too, because if you believed and they're saying that they feel that this kid was abducted, you would want to hold out hope that the kid was still alive and maybe beg for, you know, a, a reward or beg for the, for the person to release her. They kind of did that, but they didn't really, they weren't convincing. I mean, I don't know if my kid was missing for 10 minutes, I'd be in tears. You know what I mean? And they just, you know, and, but we all, in any way, you know, shape or form to men. Phil, we all also know as parents, how quickly a kid can disappear. Yeah. You know, you turn your back, it's five-year-old kid being, it's like ricochet rabbit. You know, Irma, it happened to me on a soccer field with my daughter. It happened to me. Irma's got something to say. She's putting her you hand. Know, I, I would also investigate the grandmother because, I mean, does anybody have in a, a, you know, a vendetta against the grandmother? She had one of her children is went missing. Her sister went missing. You know, the the the, the mother. What's the mother's name? Um, um, the what's Candace. the mother's name? Can't. Huh? Can't. Her sister Candace. went. Her sister went missing. Now the granddaughter went missing. So I would investigate even the grandmother also. I mean, you have two people missing in one family. That's kind of a little bit unusual, you know? So I don't you know. know. Irma, Irma, I also want, um, I want Bureau of Child Welfare. I want their, I want their records. I want to talk to all of them. I want the kids' school records. I want this couple's financial records. I want to know if there's any motive that we don't know about. I want their computer records, cell phone records. We discussed that. It's really tough to make a cell phone call. Did she call, when she called her husband, Don, did she call him on a landline? That was never confirmed because since the cell service is so spotty, I would imagine she must have called him on a landline and then he called 911. There's at least one uh, confirmable timestamp 
I don't, see, I don't see a problem with that. Some women will call their husbands before they call the police. Some women will do that, especially a woman who's in a domestic violence situation. She, maybe she was afraid of calling. Maybe she called him first. I mean, you don't maybe, know maybe he was hiding something. Maybe he, he was, was at work. Yeah, that, that, he that's, was not a, that's not a big red flag to me so much, right. Bill, about not calling. I, that's because of their history that they don't seem like they're running to call 911 right. so yeah. quick. So I, I get that. But Herman made a good point, and I said it earlier. I would get a solid interview on everybody that was home in that house. And that grandmother, she may not have been part and parcel to the disappearance, or maybe she was, but I would really get a good story out of her. And then I would talk to people that know her and try to get a little background on what she thought about the way the kid was being raised. And, you know, maybe she's going to tell the police in the interview. I, I mean, this is all conjecture. Maybe she's going to say, no, everything was good, you know, but yet she told a friend or a relative, I don't like what's going on. They're getting drunk. They're getting high. That kid's being abused. Now you have something to go back at her because you want to start in the peripheral when you start to really look at the family. You know what I mean? Anybody, because the mother and father, they're going to give their stories and maybe you can punch some holes in that. But I would start with the peripheral, like Irma said, the grandmother, get a good story from her. Maybe she's involved. In it, maybe she's not. But if you can maybe get an ink in the, uh, a kink in the armor with her, and then you can exploit it to where you can get some real, background on what was going on and then maybe lead to, you know, finding what happened to this young lady. I'm not lady. saying the grandmother would be involved, but is there anybody who has something against the grandmother? It's not yes. the thing, you know? And also they mentioned a, a woman in the church who the, who the little girl was so fond of. Yes. Who's this woman in the church? I mean, who's her, who her relatives? I mean, somebody might see this little girl you know how people are, little blonde hair, blue eyed girl, you know, she was like a little doll. They know she's going to be raised and not be the have the best upbringing with the family that she has right now, they could have easily taken her to raise them her, themselves, you know? So that's why in abduction, I can see somebody abducting her. Right. Sergeant Melinda, thank you so much for the 99.99 super chat. You guys are amazing. This is a very interesting case. And one of the things we want to make clear is we're not criticizing any other investigators. We're not coming out with uh, some theories that we think because we're the NYPD were superior. We're, we want to just bring things that uh, forward that will get done for our audience and for other folks uh, that should be done in a case like this. And one of the things I just want to mention quickly also, Don said he feels she was abducted. I think that's a very weird thing to say by a human trafficking ring, and she could be in someone's basement. I find that to be outrageous. Absolutely. I agree with you on that, Bill. I want to also say that I took the liberty of looking at the social media of the mom, Candace, and this TikTok um, account that's still up there. It's Anybody could go look at it. Um, the things that she did on TikTok is not something vindictive. Like, you wouldn't, like my kids, I always say, like, uh, they say to me, Dad, you're in your 50s. You, you're not going to have a TikTok. If you, if you start a TikTok, I'm disowning you. It seems like she was very comfortable showing her shenanigans on TikTok and doing her stuff. But at the end of the day, I feel that Don, um, because of his criminal history as well, we look at that. We have to, as investigators, we have to look at the mom and dads and the whole family unit. We don't just look at the, the mom and dad. We look at the whole family. And this whole family is no, um, there are no, you know, slouches when it comes to being collared. They, they've all taken their arrest. And I read one arrest from Kansas where she was menacing somebody with a firearm. It didn't mention who she was menacing, but at the end of it all, she got, she took it, she took in that arrest. And that's really not something that you want to see mother and father, both of them having 
this bad criminal background. And you have to look at that and then you have to weigh in on their stories and the validity of how their story is told. The whole thing stinks to high heavens. And right. I, feel that, I feel that the investigators have a lot to do with, you know, a lot on their plate to put, put together the pieces of the puzzle. But at the end of it all, it takes a lot. It takes a long time for them to figure out what's going on. So we've got to be patient. Listen, firearms are commonplace in that area of the country, it looks like, obviously. Mm -hmm. But what Ron just said, I mean, if you look at who is playing around with those firearms, if you have people that carry firearms and target shoot in their backyard or something in that area, but they're very, you know, uh, positive about it and they're very reliable, I mean, these two don't seem too reliable to me, or, or they don't look like safety's of a big concern. And, you know, so I think he makes a good point. You know, she's playing around with guns on and putting it on TikTok and whatever. So, yeah, it could have very easily have been an accident. And then right. they just, you know, uh, got rid of the body, which we hope that to God that it's, it's not the case that this young lady's still alive. And I just want to say one other thing about what Bill said, expand on it a little bit. We haven't looked at the case folder. We don't know exactly what's been done and what hasn't been done. We're giving our professional opinions based on what we would do and what we, we think would be done. And I think everything that we've all uh, said all makes a lot of sense in this case. And I'm telling you from what I saw in the video uh, on the, the sheriff and the, the, the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, they look like they're they're going in a they're going in a direction here. I don't think that they're at a loss with this thing. Like it's three weeks in and we're stumped. I didn't get that from what I saw on the news. But again, we don't have access to the uh, case folder, and uh, we're just given if we were out there today doing that case, what we would do. Hey, Irma, you know, I just wanted. Oh, go ahead, duty run. I'm sorry. I have a question for Irma because this is a, for a female perspective, and not only is she, you know, uh, Miss Homicide, but she's also mm -hmm. obviously a woman and a mom. Um, Don referred to his five-year-old daughter as a young lady. Like, I don't know. It just, I don't have a daughter, but if my kid went missing, I wouldn't, he, 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 his words exactly verbatim. She's a fine young lady. Yeah. But you know, that, I mean, they're Southern, you know, I mean, they're different from us. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what kind of words they use, you know, what kind of words he uses. He could use young lady. Well, that could be a word that he always uses. I don't, I don't, I can't say. I mean, you're saying like young lady, in other words, like you like he, like you mean like he thinks that she's a young lady, like a 14, 15 year old. Is that what you he, 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 he spoken in past tense. He said she was a fine young lady. Right. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. a strange. That's a strange. I know. Thing I am. Saying about a five they're year old. ignorant, though. You got to remember, they're like a but they're really ignorant people. I mean, and I mean, that's the way I, the take I have of them. They're like ignorant. They're using drugs. They're drinking. They look like hillbillies, you right. know. And then because they're hillbillies, right away we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna assume that's incest because just the way you know that we we think. But um, I don't know. I, I still I still think that she could have been abducted, and I think she could have been abducted by someone that she knew. Right. Like the West well, case. I, I actually referred to her as a young lady too. So I don't. I mean, listen. If, if he's got a, a pedophile history, maybe then there might be something to what you just said. You know. But so, and so I'm sure I, that. I want to. Add to the, I'm sorry. I hate to cut you off, but I had this thought in my mind. I heard, and this is an un, you know, unverified report, but somebody interviewed Don's sister, and there was an alleged, an allegation from the sister. And now, again, this is not verified, and I don't know if the law enforcement has it, but there was some type of um, sexual component between Don and his sister. This is sexual abuse. Yeah, I mean, but yeah. you know, Ron, but we can't How really. How old were they? 
Well, she, she, she's six she years seven. younger than he was when yeah, they were growing up. But it happened when she was seven, she said, so or yeah. eight years old. So, guys, uh, I just want to. We have to go to a quick commercial, and we'll come back, and we'll get more into this investigation. This is fascinating, even to me. You guys are bringing up some amazing points. Let me get to the commercial. We'll be right back, folks. If you want to move out of New York, you're tired of the high taxes, the crime, the government, the new, uh, the, the new. Uh, Democratic candidate for mayor, the Democratic candidate for district attorney. Well, Carol Waters sells real estate down in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. She at one time was a uh, bartender at Fitzpatrick's Hotel in Midtown. She did that for 20 years. Her and her husband, Rob Mayen, now sell real estate down in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Whether you want a vacation home, a condo, or you're going to move down there for good, give Carol a call. She works at the Beach Realty Group. You can reach her at 914-261-6681, or you can email her at carolwatersellsmyrtlebeach at gmail.com. Are you ready, Phil, for your chance at stardom? Oh, yeah. Joe Murray, attorney at law. Joe Murray is a guy that's been on both sides of the fence. He's a great attorney. He's very successful in the law practice. He serves the New York City area. He was also a member of the NYPD. So he's been on both sides of the fence. I mean, do what I did. I stuck a couple of attorneys in my cell phone just in case a family, a friend needs somebody. And I spoke about it last night. He could also be a victim advocate. If you have a legal question, you could get a hold of Joe at 646-838-1702. That's the number to get him on the phone. He could also be reached at jmurraylaw.com. His email is j at jmurraylaw.com, joe at jmurraylaw.com. That email is joe at jmurraylaw.com. He's been on the show. He's been on Duty Ron's show. Uh, he's obviously a very sharp guy. He knows the ins and outs of the police department as well as the law, and he's a tremendous attorney. Look him up if you need him. Hopefully you don't for any criminal charges, but you never know. jmurraylaw.com. Joe Murray, great attorney. Tony Ron, I wanted to ask you a question because people in the chat have been asking it. Where does Don work and what kind of work does he do? Okay, so it's to my understanding that he was a drywall contractor. Um, I don't have his place of business, nor if I had it, would I put it out because then everybody would be calling there and it's just not, it's not a good thing. Uh, I think that the um, law enforcement that's investigating this case, they obviously know where he works or where what, what he's currently doing, but... He was a drywall. Con he is a drywall contractor. Hence those white buckets. They're all trying to tie in the red truck with the white buckets that it has. Maybe one of his friends has something to do with possibly allegedly abducting uh, Summerwells. It, 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 it's all of the folks that are speculating. And, and the, that speculation is good. But at the end of the day, we can't like lead to that. That's the conclusion that, that that's what's happened. Um, but I wanted to say, uh, Phil. I, I believe Joe Murray should hire you to do the, his commercials permanently. You know something? I was going to say, Duty Ron, if he gives him more than 35 seconds, I'm going to have to charge Joe Murray double. <laughs> well, I, I didn't know there was a time limit. No, no, it's, it's, it's okay. I just want to mention a couple of things about investigation. And one of the reasons maybe people may be asking, why don't they go at Don hard? Why don't they go at him hard now? Because what they want to do is they want to get something to challenge him with something that is factual, something that they can change his opinion and challenge him so he doesn't have 
an answer to why he did this or why he did that. And so they're waiting. They're waiting. They're going to pick their spot. And he's going to be brought back in. And so is she. And I mean, I, I would imagine all the peripheral people have been interviewed. The family members, the uh, the clergy members, the students, the, the other students that go to school with the kids, the teachers, the social workers, uh, you know, people that he works with. All of that is part of what we call victimology. Go ahead, Phil. I know you're chopping. I, I, I want to expand on what you said because we're talking about investigation. I always felt that from the minute we got involved in a case, I didn't want to lock myself in on one thing. Like a lot of times there would be detectives or bosses or whatever would say, you know, all right, this is what happened. And you can't lock yourself in. You have to be able at times, and it's a little tough to do when you go down a road and you did a lot of work in that direction, and you start to see that this isn't working out. This doesn't fit what we're looking at. Sometimes you got to back up. You got to go in a different direction. And I, I was never afraid to do that. A lot of times it was met with resistance by supervisors or other detectives. But I mean, we had a guy on a murder case that we just about had him identified in a lineup and it turned out it was somebody else. And, and, you know, so I, I've learned that from experience and I'm sure that they're looking at a lot of different avenues. They're not closing it. Abduction probably still on the table. Uh, her getting hurt and, 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 you know, the disposing the body intentionally, the, you know, the, uh, the sexual, uh, um, the sexual predators in the area, the, the sex offender registry, I'm sure that that was looked into. So, you know, in investigation, you can't be narrow minded. You can't have blind design. You, you start to go in a direction. If you lead into the right direction and it keeps, you know, every time you go down that path, you start to get results. You continue in that, but that doesn't mean that you, sometime you're going to hit a brick wall and you're going to have to back up and go down a different route, you know? And I think that that's very important. And, uh, I think that probably, uh, from what I see, it looks like they do have a good direction. So uh, hopefully they're going to resolve this thing soon, you know? Lieutenant Pete, thank you so much for the $10 Super Chat. That's the Hall of Fame Lieutenant of Harlem Raiders fame, Lieutenant Peter Pranzo. Thank you so much. Good man. You know, this is such a, a, a great little panel here. And I like, Irma, that you don't agree with us. I really like that. I, I have a question. It shows the dichotomy of our opinions. Yeah, go ahead, no, Irma. Like, like um, Duty Ron, on, in eastern Tennessee... How many missing kids are there? How many children have been abducted in this area? Um, it, it's, there's not a lot of abductions, but there are definitely a lot of missing. How many, missing? How many kids are missing that age? I, I don't have the exact numbers, but I did look at them. And off the top of my head, I know that there's it's, it's in the double digits. Okay. Um, we have well, well, the, West, the West children, the case that you worked on, we everybody thought it was the parents also. Like, Where are those kids now? Where are they? They still have I still think it's the parents, but that's just my personal opinion. Um, I, I just, their whole story and the way that they've been evasive, which Same is the, as the exact opposite here. They're not being evasive. They're actually being cooperative. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, we haven't seen Trezell and Jacqueline West, not once, since mm -hmm. they made that statement. If mm -hmm. you really cared about your kids, you'd be out there during the candlelight vigils. You'd be out there handing out flyers just like they these folks are well, out the wells family had a they had a candle like they had a prayer a prayer vigil and it was only them it was only like four, five people showed up you know that right. was it they purposely did that the the, the i read uh, well i heard the interview uh with the church they said that they wanted to just have them and then next week when they do it they're going to invite the whole community but then also another thing is social media everybody right away starts you know 
criticizing, blaming them. I mean, if my if my kid was missing and I was getting blamed for my kid for like doing something to my kid, I wouldn't want to speak to anybody either. Right. Remember, what was your point though when you talked about the missing kids? You were starting to get to a point. I'm where... trying to see if, if if there's a if there's a pattern there. If there are okay. more than missing kids, I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, human trafficking is a big thing that a lot of people don't want to talk about. But kids get kidnapped all the time. I work for a foster care agency, and I've had girls kidnapped off the street in Brooklyn, mm -hmm. you know, and and trafficked, you know. So it's like. People say, "Oh no, it won't. It can't happen. It could happen." I mean, someone in a someone in the church, someone in the grandmother's family. I mean, I, I would be a little bit suspicious about the grandmother's family about the fact that she already had her daughter missing. Now her granddaughter is missing. You know, I mean, who's I mean, who's she married to? Like, is she married? You know, does she have other children? You know, does she have a boyfriend? Like, I like to know more about her. You know, Irma, let me ask you another question because I, I really like this that we're uh, kind of bouncing things off one another. What do you think about the posture? that the investigators are taking, what I talked about, how it looks like they're really scouring and they're asking people to search their property. Do you think that they believe that, the, you know, that this girl met with her? What, what else are they going to do? You have to do that. That's part of investigation and part of a search. You have to search anyway. Yeah, but this is this is three weeks in, and it seems like they're really focused on it. The posture of, of that sheriff that I watched today and the guys from the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, their posture told me something that, they're focused on finding the body in that area. That's what it said to me. I could be wrong. First of all, in, in, the wood, in the woods, there were cans in the woods. People people are hanging out in the woods. They, yeah. they Somebody's drinking stuff in the woods. People are hanging out in the woods. I mean, I personally like the woods, but you can people can hide in the woods. I mean, it, it's, it's not it's not impossible that she could have been abducted. And, no, and of course not. Of yeah, course. Sure. You know, I just I just wanted to mention some retired Sergeant Melinda. She um sort of objected to us calling them uh, ignorant people and rather maybe substitute the term uneducated. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's no doubt they're, they're uneducated. We don't mean to disparage people from uh, yeah. Tennessee. I, I, but we're, I, I, we're, looking at, we're looking at these folks as, you know, potential suspects in, in the uh, – in the missing of their five-year-old daughter. And like, based on our experience, we've seen this happen before. Go ahead, Irma. Like one thing that I noticed that really, I felt bad as a mother and, you know, as a woman, there's a video of her in school surrounded by all these little girls, so pretty with the long hair. You know, she has the short hair, which I understand she cut it because she wanted to. But she looks kind of like, she reminds me of Lisa Steinberg a little bit, how Lisa Steinberg, there was a picture of her, all the kids in class have uh, Halloween and she has a chunk of her hair missing. You know, she's playing with candy corn. She reminds me of her. Almost like Irma, Irma, tell the audience who Lisa Steinberg was. Lisa yeah. Steinberg was a girl who was killed by her um, adopted father, who's a lawyer, Joe Steinberg in New York back in the 1980s. And she kind of reminded me of that. Like you see her sitting there. She looks kind of like sloppy. You know, all the little girls have their long hair, you know, looking all nice and clean. And you can tell her, you can see her talk to one little girl and the girl kind of like just ignores her. So you don't know what was going on in her life. You know, maybe, you know, they look down on her and there may have been one parent who may have seen or somebody who may have seen and said, this girl's going to have a really horrible upbringing. I'm going to take her. I mean, it's happened before. How many kids have recovered 20 years later? It happens. You know what I mean? So unless it's a pedophile, but I can see somebody taking her because they felt sorry for her. Yeah. You know, Bill, we didn't – I think we, we kind of referred to them. I said it was, wasn't was a good look. I don't know if we referred to them as being ignorant, but uh, the, the look of them, they, 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 come, across, they, come, they come across a little uh, 
you know, a little bit uh, skelly, so to speak. I guess uh, maybe that's better than ignorant. That's, that's but, a better word, skelly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, they, in the interview, they both look like they were high. Now, it's it's that interview that I, I cited was about two weeks in, and maybe they were on medications to calm themselves down, or maybe they – you know, they're, they're on medication for psychological issues. I don't know. So. But what, what I would say, too, is, and we all can agree to this, is that, you know, the FBI, the, the, the Tennessee Bureau of Investigations, I don't know about the small town Sheriff Lawson, and I'm not dogging his crew, but I'm, I'm sure that it's the small town sheriffs, maybe one or two or three sheriffs, whatever the case may be. I feel that the um, investigation will, between the FBI and the TBI, they will um, definitely get to the bottom of this in due time because there's so much forensics that needs to be looked at, like their electronic communication. Now, we know for a fact that the cell service sucks there, but we do know for a fact that Kansas, the mom, is all over social media, TikTok, Facebook. Mm -hmm. God only knows what her so her footprint looks like. So the, um, the, the FBI computer forensics are probably having a field day with her stuff. Now, that being said, speculation is always going to swirl. When we talk about possibilities, it's not like we're pointing the finger and saying, this is what happened. We're giving you guys as the audience an idea, a look from the police investigator perspective. And that's what you have to take these kind of shows as. Whereas when you go on to fake book, you have housewives and house uh, fathers and people who are who are plumbers, contractors, and they don't know anything about investigations, they start drawing their conclusions. They don't know diddly squat about what it takes to hunt down evil like Bill does. Like you know, you know, Duty Rod, you hit it 100%. And we're not, Absolutely. it's not that we're judging people. We're talking from experience, all right? Yeah. We, I've worked hundreds of homicides. So has Phil. So has Irma. We've worked these cases. And as you said, fake book, these people are just repeating rumors. Yeah. And we're careful not to criticize the investigators that have this case. But we've seen with the, with the parents here, right? They have a social worker assigned to the family. That is an indicative of this problems with that family. Sure. We're making That's why educated guesses, you know, not judging them. We're making educated guesses. Right. That's the reason why the mother could have lied about the time. You understand? Because she may have not been watching her. You know, she already knows she has a case with ACS or whatever they call it, the, the child welfare out there. She has three other boys. She has to worry about them taking them. You know what I mean? So anything could have happened. To them. I mean, I, I, I still think that the girl could have definitely been abducted by someone, but someone that she may know. I think Ron made a very good point. And I think I kind of brought it up earlier, too, when I said that, you know, I, I wouldn't be afraid to back up and, and try something else. I haven't said through this whole thing that I think that they're responsible for it. I said they don't have a good look. I think the possibility of an abduction is still quite possible and uh, friends or an accidental death. And then it's a cover up. So I think all of these things are still on the table. Again, we don't have the case file in front of us. We're going by what we see on the surface, what we know from the media and what we know from the Internet. And um, it just uh, I'm going to go back to this again. It just looked like uh, the posture of the investigators in that press conference. They sounds like they know more than what they're saying. I'm sure they do. And it looked to me like they were pretty like convinced that they were going to find her somewhere in that area in the rural woods. That's what it looked like to me. I hope I'm wrong. But that's and you know, Phil, we're not and we're not like um, mediums and saying, "Oh, this is definitely a homicide." But oh, this is professional five, when opinion. A five-year-old, 
Right. When a five-year-old girl is missing for three weeks without a trace, we can assume some bad things have happened to her. That's and what normally happens, right? And not and not just and we're not just assuming because I love that you know assume making ass of you and me. We right. have some, you know, scientific. There's there's some evidence here, and most of it that we as investigators are not privy to because we don't have the case folder. We're not boots on the ground, but we know what happens during the investigation. So we're making educated uh, guesses with this and the edu- and the investigative steps that we would take if we were working this case. Go ahead, Irma. One other thing is, like, remember, we work in a big city. In New York City, if, if a mother killed her kid, we're going to know about it because it's completely different. In a rural area like that, it's completely different investigation. The way the police work is completely different than we work. The, the way we work. So we can't really say, you know, how they're doing the investigation. Not that you're saying that, but like we can't say because we're not there. We don't know what it's like to work in those conditions. It's completely different than the way we work as New York City police detectives, you know, or cops. It's completely that's, a great, that's a great point, Armin. That's a great point. But I want to just lay out a quick scenario and everybody on the panel will probably figure it out by the time I get halfway through. You're sitting in the squad and a mother comes in with a, a 13 or 14 year old girl and says, oh, my daughter was kidnapped earlier today. Oh, yeah, and yeah. when you talk to the girl, the kid was drove through Times Square, you know, middle of the day, but they had masks on and they had a <laughs> point. So from being a professional, right. when I hear that story, and it happened a lot of times, I knew right away, okay, mom, do you mind if we talk to your daughter alone for a second? Mm-hmm. We take a room and go, listen, you ran away, you played hooky, you were with your boyfriend, whatever. Tell us the true story. We're not going to tell your mother. The kid tells us the story, and then we bring the mother in, and we get the whole thing squared away. Mm-hmm. But the point I'm trying to make is this. From our experience as professionals, we've heard all the BS, we've heard the stories, and a lot of times things pop up, maybe not a red flag, but right away you figure out what direction. And I hear these things sometimes on the news, even after I was retired, a person was kidnapped and, and yeah. I tell my partner, I'll call him on the phone, did you hear that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the next day it's on the news that the whole thing was made up. Right, so right. A lot of our opinion comes mm-hmm. from a place of experience. Right. We're not just talking out of our asses. We've right. been there, we've done it. And I think that, you know, from what we're seeing and what we know, we all seem to be on the same page, you know, like the things that we're saying that these things should be done. They probably were done. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's going to come to a conclusion. I feel very confident at that. Uh, at this I know point. the mother passed a polygraph test so far, the mom. Well, that was one of the other things I was going to bring up. Okay. Right. I mean, that's what, Don, that's what Don claimed, but I didn't hear law enforcement uh, yeah. make a mention of that. So I thought I heard that on the news. I thought that I heard that on the news or I heard it somewhere. Yeah. Polygraph by law enforcement holds weight with me. Private polygraphs, I was right. in the business. I know that uh, they can be right. manipulated, so I'm not going to go any further on that. You know, I just want to say something about investigative steps. And besides being uh, NYPD homicide and 16 years in the detective bureau, I taught criminal justice. And I used to say to the kids that took my criminal investigation uh, class, every question gets an answer. And every answer produces another question and you build you build the house of bricks by asking questions or getting answers and that's what we're missing as podcasters here we We don't don't know know all the questions and all the answers duty ron i love you shaking your head you want to comment on that yeah yeah no i mean i love when you say that because it's so true you know, we don't have access to the case folder. If we did, then it would be a different story. Exactly. At the, at the end of the day, the terrain is different than what we're used to, mm-hmm. but the investigation 
techniques and methods are pretty much the same. same. Yeah. So I don't care if you're in uh, bum Iowa, you know, or <laughs> up in Alaska or in uh, Hawaii. If you're in the United States and you're conducting an investigation, we go by that same standard where we take information, we take clues, and I'm talking in layman's terms so people understand it. We take our clues and our evidence and we put it together on the table. And sometimes that table takes all that puzzle takes a long time to put together on that table, and you get frustrated. And that's why the captain, Captain Tim Cook, uh, Coop, who's in charge of the search and rescue and is not an investigator, he said, we need fresh eyes because my men have already looked through the fields and looked in all the places, but I need fresh bodies to come in and new eyes to look because one detective uh, is going to look at a thing or one investigator is going to look at the thing a different way. No two of them, no, no two people think exactly the like. So that's why it's important to have a team. And we all knew, listen, I supplemented many homicide investigations in the Warren squad. And uh, at, at, at the end of it all, when I'd see these teams together, it'd be like six, eight, ten detectives sometimes, depending on the case. And everybody, everybody that's has a great point, Ron, because I've said this before and I'm going to say it again. There's no one detective that solves the case. It's always a team effort. From the minute that you call 911, it's more than one person involved. So if there's any detective that says up, oh, I stands up and says, I solved the case by myself. No, that's no, not, Phil, that's not true. true. Joe Kenda solved over 300 by himself. I forgot about him. I forgot <laughs> about him. But, uh, but listen, what, what you were just describing, Ron, is good old flash, good old-fashioned police work, and we used to call it legwork. If you're out there and you're talking to people, uh, Bill made the point, one question, you get an answer leads to another question, good old-fashioned legwork, and that's how these things get solved. And um, confident that this thing is going to have some type of a uh, an ending, and uh, hopefully it's sooner rather than later, and hopefully that this little girl is still alive. Uh, duty, Ron, someone I don't really like to um, talk uh about this when I don't really know the answer, but someone's bringing up a 15 year old boy who had gone swimming with him the day with the, uh, the mother, uh, the day that, uh, went missing. Okay. I, I'll, really? expand, I'll, I'll, I'll expand on that. That is from Kansas TikTok videos. So they were supposedly at this watering hole. That's what they call it. Right. They're out at this watering hole where, uh, summer and the kids like to go and play. It's alleged. I'm not saying, you know, obviously this is all unverified information. Uh, Kansas brought a 15-year-old boy either to be a babysitter for the watching her, her daughter while she does her thing or hangs out. And there was supposedly, allegedly, another male there that she was fooling around with. Now, I don't know if that's true or not and that she was not paying attention, that the girl, the little girl went under the water for an extended period of time and she was semi-conscious. Or, this is again, a fake book internet rumor that I can't verify and that the police are not speaking about, but that doesn't mean that the police don't know about this and that they're not, again, putting the pieces of the puzzle together by doing these investigations, which sometimes can be in hundreds. They have 850 plus tips that were called into the TBI at 1-800-TBI-FIND. Uh, so 850 plus tips uh, and none of them have uh, panned out to be uh, credible tips at this. Judy, Ron, we lost your uh, video. We're just hearing you, but we're not seeing. Oh, you. okay. I'll I'll, I'll you, work on it. Did you see well, the we, you see the the video of the picture of her and the, the mother in the car with the daughter? And they said that was a couple of hours before she went missing. 
Did you see that one where? Yeah, supposedly they went swimming. And they were saying, who's the person in the car with her? Who's the woman in the car with her? They said it was in the grandmother. It was somebody else. Yeah. Well, that that swimming thing, that would be a possibility that, uh, oh, he's back. A possibility, maybe she, God forbid, drowned, and and maybe they. Uh, but I'm sure that the uh, the investigators know about that and would have searched that lake. I mean, uh, you know, uh, that would be uh, a ground ball to something to do right in the beginning. You know. Mm -hmm. Well, how about the 15 year old boy? Who is he, and who's the man? I'm sure. I'm sure he was interviewed. I'm sure. Yeah. That. yeah. You know, let's uh, just touch let's upon touch the upon. search, which is a massive search with terrain that is very, very difficult. And, you know, uh, one of the things we've done in New York City also is that it has to be very organized or else you replicate effort, meaning that you research places you've already searched. And in a large area, you would do something called a grid search because you could really track where you've been before, where you have to go. And it's, it's very difficult. It's very, very difficult. And the organization of these large investigations has to be impeccable. You have to have people organizing the investigations that have detectives from all over the place. In this case, different agencies, uh, the TBI, the, the FBI. During one of the press conferences, Bill, it's funny you bring that up. They were talking about how uh, one of the uh, reporters asked the question, said, is it true that you didn't want civilians to help in the search? And he said, the areas where we're searching, the terrain is pretty tough, and we have control of our people, and we know we can account for them. At the end of the day, if it gets dark out, we may not be able to account for all the civilians, but we don't want any tragedies. So I think what you're saying is absolutely true. You need to have it controlled. You need to have an accounting, and, and you know, uh, when we would do that type of research, we'd have a roster of everybody. And, you know, it sounds like it's real mountainous and rugged terrain. They talked about uh, bear and, and uh, coyotes and different things like that. So, copper, you copper know, uh, and a bunch I of tell you know, I, on the Sarah Fox case, Sarah Fox, she was a jogger that went missing in New York. Um, they found her, I think it was like a couple of days later, and it was the summer. I cannot believe how decomposed her body was in a couple of days, you know? Well, so, like, the warm so weather will do that. Yeah. The warm yeah, weather. The hot weather. I mean, she was so decomposed. I mean, the only way you can tell she was Caucasian was by her legs. I mean, she was completely eaten up by the animals, you know, dogs, rats, you know, I mean, and, and this is three weeks. So, I mean, only thing that would be left if she's out in the, in the fields would be just her clothing right now. You know, and Irma, that's a good point because a lot of times um, civilians haven't seen dead bodies like we have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what we would recognize as a dead body, they might not recognize that. Yeah. So this look, this is a horrible thing. And I feel with like with duty, Ron, I've been down this road before with <laughs> Orrin and Orson West. We mm -hmm. had the case of the two boys missing in California City. And we spoke about them using helicopters, uh, using heat seekers where they could actually identify uh, a body from way up high. Also using cadaver dogs. Look, we've all, we're coming up on the 20-year anniversary of 9-11. All four of us in this uh, show tonight were first responders. And uh, I would shout out to all you guys as we've survived. We're here 20 years later, and it's, it's an amazing thing. So we've been down this road before. And for our people that are in the chat, with New York City cops, we don't mean to be sarcastic. We don't mean to disparage people. But, you know... Some give us some credit for where we've been, you know, and sometimes we come across a little crass and, uh, you know, I'm not going to apologize for that. I am who I am. And Irma is who she is. Miss Homicide. Phil Grimaldi is who he is from Brooklyn, straight out of Brooklyn, like straight out of Compton. And 
And Duty Ron is is Duty Ron, and he's a hell of a nice guy. We're into reality, and when you do these type of things, that's what we're talking like we're in a squad room, so to speak. You know what I mean? We're into reality, and we call it what it is. And you know, sometimes it's ugly, it's not pretty, but it is what it is. This is the real world. That's hey, Bill, right. That's I, right. I have uh, I have a DD five that I want to submit to you, Bill. Um, <laughs> but what I what I what I did do is I did take some notes, and I did this in advance because I only got home five minutes to eight. So I didn't have time to really do extra preparing, but I wanted to bring this up quickly. Uh, Don Wells was arrested on October 14th, 2020. Uh, domestic violence assault and criminal possession of a weapon. Uh, in that domestic violence, as we all know, after the OJ case, everyone's required to department-wise, whenever there's a domestic incident, fill out a DIR, right? So a domestic incident report was filled out. And on my channel, I showed it, uh, the the... The, the complainant, who was Candace Wells, at the time wrote out in her handwriting um, that she was afraid for her life and her children's life. Mm -hmm. This was October of 2020. Investigators take this and look at this and put this also into the back of their minds of like, hey, this is also a red flag. You got uh, six months earlier or give or take a little bit of time you have this violent situation that happened in the home to the point where the mother called 911 on her on her husband. Uh, she withdrew the complaint. And Irma, and Bill, and, and Phil, and we've seen this hundreds of times where a woman and even a man gets, uh, you know, intimidated by their significant other if they're violent. And they pretty much tell them, listen, if you continue, you press these charges, I'm going to do this, this, and this to you. So we've heard this before. And I don't think that she wasn't, um, and isn't continually uh, a, a victim of domestic violence uh, because it, it, he has a history of this. So I just wanted to bring that up. Oh, duty, Ron, I'd like to also say in those circumstances, since I was a boss and I would go to a situation like that and the woman said, I'm not pressing charges, I would lock the guy up anyway and say, well, people stayed in New York are going to prosecute because I'm not leaving him here with you, you know, because uh, the buck would stop with me, you know, I would always love how cops would say, oh, Sarge, you know, she don't want him locked up. And I'd be, no, no. The laws, change, the laws change about that in New York also. You have to lock them up. Yeah, yeah must right. arrest. But, That's a must arrest situation. Right. But before right. that even happened, I would yeah, lock that, the guy up. That happened uh, right after right after the OJ thing. They made it must arrest. And uh, Bill makes a great point because I had a case before that where I had a, a young lady that, no, no, I don't want him arrested. It was just a, he violated the order of protection. And you didn't have a must arrest back then. And a few months later, she was killed by the husband. Right. So that's that's a, that's a terrible thing to have happen to you. You know, you, you, it stays on your mind, you know? Yeah, when I was in the two, three in the early 80s, I mean, there were so many domestic violence cases that we went on and you never locked up the father, never. You just yeah. threw him out the house or, or he stayed, you know? Sergeant so, Melinda, thank you so much for your take service. take a, a trip down the stairs. <laughs> Roger Melinda, thank you so much for your service. We appreciate you. I like and that. We, we, but, uh, she, she, Sergeant Melinda states, I grew up in it. I understand, especially when I've been in combat, seeing, experiencing the worst of the worst, working with CID and on the roads, rolling outside of the FOBs. You know something? Th thank you so much for your service. All of us in law enforcement, we appreciate each other. We appreciate our armed services, who many people don't appreciate, but I'm not one of them. I appreciate the hell out of you guys yeah, and retired, what you do. Retired Sergeant Melinda has seen major combat, and she's been uh, she she's served our country valiantly, and she is a trooper. She's a strong woman. I 
have a personal relationship with her. We speak on and off of YouTube and she really is, um, you know, someone who has gone out there and put her life on the line. So, you know, we can't forget our men and women of law enforcement, but we can't forget our military as well because they are the ones who bring the fight. Uh, so the fight doesn't come to us. So God bless. So where do, where do we go with this, this investigation? We keep, we keep searching. We keep interviewing people. We make that circle of who we interview bigger and hopefully we're going to come up with an answer. We keep investigating. We don't ever give up, especially in a missing five-year-old, a special category missing. The police, the investigators, the FBI, the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, they will never, ever give up on this case. And, you know, I don't know if people can can feel or see how we feel in this, being in this chat and how passionate we are about being investigators and being New York City cops as we are. Bill, I like the fact that the family is still on the same page as law enforcement, that they haven't asked to, you know, be represented by an attorney. They stay, seem like they're still involved. I like that you want the cooperation. And I think when you don't get the cooperation, that could maybe sideline you a little bit and put you off into a different direction. Let them continue on with what they're doing, their, their searches, keep the family involved, vigils, uh, appeals to the public through media and, uh, Hopefully, uh, we're going to find out there'll be a conclusion to this case. You know, someone in the chat asked if the children, the brothers, could be interviewed without the parents present. Irma, I know you did a lot of time in Special Victims. Do you want to answer that? Yeah, you could, they could. Of course. Why not? I, I don't see why they couldn't. They're not, they're, not her, they're not unless they, you know, unless you think that one of them did did something to her. But I, I can't. I don't see why not. I mean, I would if, if you interview them in front of the parents, they're not going to tell you the truth. No, I would. I would do that. I've done. I interview many kids by themselves on sure. even on homicide cases. You know, and ACS. You can get ACS involved. The social workers can interview them also. You if know? the par if the parents submit to it, if you say, "Listen, we'd like to speak to little Johnny," yeah, not wrong. Unless, like she said, if they're they're targeted as a perp now, now you need a parent present if you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna interrogate them as a perpetrator. Irma, I took the liberty of doing a little investigative work because you asked about the missing children in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. I was way off. It was there's over 150 missing wow. children. What are the ages? Young kids uh, like that? It varies. It goes all the way up to teens, you know, to And never recovered and not recovered. Uh, um I don't have those breakdown, but I looked at right now it's over 150. What time frame, Don? Is that uh, uh, Ron, Ron, is that over a uh, long long period of time or you don't know? Uh no, this is this is currently right now. Right? That's right. Uh, now. So that's what the outstanding figures are for now. No, but I mean, could it be from, from like 25 years ago or is that, you yeah. know? I, I didn't look at each individual case, but yeah, right. you know. I didn't get a chance to look. I wanted to look at that. I haven't had a chance. Somebody else also mentioned in the chat um, how long of a criminal history does Don have? And I did take the liberty today of looking into that. Uh, and it goes, spans all the way back 30 years ago to 1991. So his first collar, it was on or about 1991. So he, um, he's got a 30-year history in the criminal justice system. How old is he? Uh, he's 56. Huh? The reason I brought that question up, because 150 sounds like a lot. But if it's over a 40-year period, it may not seem so. Uh, yeah, but how about if it's within a 10-year period and it's a person who's been doing this for 10 years? I mean, it's happened, yeah. you know. It, yeah, it's that, not, that sounds like a high number. The state of Tennessee, it seems like that's pretty high. That's a pretty high yeah. number. But, but that's the state. I'm, I was thinking, talking about the eastern part of Tennessee, where she's from. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't pinpoint that. I looked at the state. The state. Yeah. 
Like, so, like your kids, the West kids, like whatever happened with them? Are they still looking they, for them? They're still searching yeah. for them. Their case is still active. They haven't found them. You know, it's happened, that's thing about that's this happened girl, with right? us too. You know? Yeah. yeah, but there were charges filed in that case, no? No. 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 The, police no. Chief, the police chief gave an update today, uh, uh, Captain um, uh, Chief Terry. He mm -hmm. gave an update today um, that the, it's still an ongoing case. It's not a cold case. They're still investigating current uh leads and they, they they're you know they're still just investigating but they are frustrated um they they have tons and tons of leads coming in but none of them prove to be um you know significant so um but they continue to follow up on all the leads just as they're doing here in in tennessee so thank you lizzie b savage for the five dollar super chat uh duty run was touching upon uh the leads they get people calling in tips and they're the last time I checked, there was over 750. There's probably closer to 800 right now. It's so far, it's so 850 far, now, Bill. 850. So yeah. far, none of the tips have panned out. But as investigators, we know that you have to check out every single one of those tips and do what we call a complaint follow-up on it. And uh, it just has to be done because you never know that one tip that comes in that could be the smoking gun that, that solves this case. Yeah. Absolutely. Folks, okay. uh, yeah. any, any so something as simple as a re-canvas, and I talked about this. I had a homicide case, a re-canvas, and it was a person we spoke to. The first person we spoke to, six months later, re-canvas, gave up the guy that did it. You see? So yeah. You never know. Right. So I, 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 I hate to be pessimistic and have people say, oh, you, you, you're thinking this is a homicide without any evidence of it, but we know from working these cases, a five-year-old missing for three weeks, it's not a good thing. Right. And could she yeah. be alive? Absolutely. Could she be have been abducted? Could someone have taken her? Absolutely. I mean, I hope, better life. Yeah, we yeah, hope. I, look, we I hope, hope and pray. I hope and pray that she's still alive. And, and those extensive searches that I cited three or four times already, that tells me that uh, they're going in that direction. So right. I, I, it, it seems that. She's no longer with us. God forbid. I hope it's wrong, but that seems like the posture of the investigators and what the sheriff's doing and, and the officers involved, the, you know, the police involved. It seems like uh, that's what they're looking at, to find her somewhere in those rural area, those woods, those mountainous area. Are those two boys twins? No, the kids are 9, uh, 11, and 12, I believe. Looks like the, the middle one is standing on something. He might uh -huh. be standing on something. Yeah, it might be yeah. a bench. There might be a bench. Yeah, back and there. another yeah. thing, like having the only girl, like I was the only girl in my family, like, you know, my nuclear family, like, you know, I mean, the only girl, the mother treats the girl really special when you're the only girl, you know? I mean, I treat my daughter pretty special, even though she's a brat, but still, you know, <laughs> I, I, I can't see, like, I, I can't see the mother hurting her daughter. And I, I saw some of the Facebook posts, like the mother saying, like, how she loves her daughter. I can see that. Like, I don't think just because she's a alcoholic or she's not educated doesn't mean that she's going to hate, you know, mistreat her daughter or to the point that she's going to kill her, you know, but. um, yeah. and, you know, and I think that's where, you know, uh, Irma, uh, the probability of an accident slash cover up. That's what I can see is happening. You know, I, I feel like that's a strong possibility. Like one of the kids shoots her with a gun. I can see that happening. Or, 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 or a drowning, or even the kid was, you know, um, playing around on a slippery rock and then hit her head and went unconscious and didn't drown. And you know, many of these things are possible, but I think the mother, yeah, that's why I think the mother's time frame, timeline, it's, yeah. it, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. I think she's lying about the timeline for some reason. 
you know, there's a lot of red flags in this case that are disturbing. And, and again, we can't dissect them because we don't have the actual facts of of the real time frame. We're reading about what Duty Ron calls fake book timelines. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the timeline, that's why a timeline and a time stamp is so important. And the time stamp, one of the time stamps will be when she called her husband and then when he in turn called 911. That's a scientific timestamp, right? Hey, Bill, I wanted to ask you to, um, you have 560 something people here in the chat. Um, out of the folks that are in the chat, please let us know if you're new and hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell for police off the cuff. Uh, but let us know if you're new, first time viewing, so Bill can say hello and all of us can say hello to you. I know that um, we took the time to give you the meat and potatoes of our investigative skills and we have not been paying attention to the chat but i just wanted to just get an idea if you're new just let us know new and please consider subscribing to bill's channel and um uh, you know hitting the bell so you'll get all of the notifications and all the videos bill happens to have unbelievable guests here on police off the cuff not just the investigators like us but he does everything from political stuff to folks that are, um, you know, writing books and things of that nature. He's got investigative reporters that are going overseas and a lot of great stuff. So uh, please consider subscribing. Thank you, Lisa, for being new. Bill, I'm not taking your show over. But I, I no, Duty, Ron, you know something? I, and I don't want to, you know, what I would say, powder your balls. But thank you very much. <laughs> powder, all, powder. <laughs> I'm going to put some powder on them. I want to thank you very much for all you've done for Police Off the Cuff because – Without you, I'd, I'd be back at the thousand subscribers, and you. I got to make a, a point deal. there. I got to make a point. This is very important. It's off the subject of the case. Actually, I'm going to make two points. But the one, Bill, what you're talking about, Ron. When I talk to Bill, and I've been talking to him almost every day lately, he's constantly booking a guest, preparing for a show, doing a flyer. He's improving his banners. He's hiring a. He's always with this. I give him a lot of credit, and that's why the show is going to be successful. One last point about the case. When we're doing a, a missing five-year-old investigation, when I get in the room with the parents or the house, wherever it is, if I insult them or I upset them, I'll apologize for that. But I'm looking to save a five-year-old girl that may, that is missing maybe from harm. So if I ruffle a few feathers, that's just too bad. That's the, right. The, the victim comes first in these type of cases. That's so. Right. We may have said some things that upset people on the on the chat, but you want to know something? We're into reality. If I upset the person and I can eliminate them later, I'll apologize. But it it the one thing we want to do is we want to find this girl, and when we see what we see, it's in our face, and we start to question your criminal behavior or your drinking or this or that. It's for a reason. The victim. That's what comes number one in these cases. The victim. So if I upset somebody, so Too bad. Be it. <laughs> you know, Phil. You know, Phil. I always, I always love that expression. Some people can walk the walk, but they can't talk the talk. But we can walk the walk and talk the talk. And That's I'm it. proud of that. And everyone in this, everyone on this panel tonight, can walk the walk and talk the talk. Okay. Having said that, I'm going to give everyone their last round because we've we've we're at like an hour and fifteen minutes. Uh, let me start with Irma. Irma, final last words. I want to a shout out to MC um, Mike in New Haven. Mike, um, I'm MC's audio, great junior broadcast. To Raquel, Busa, and Antoinette, I just want to say hi, and um, and hopefully we find, hopefully this child gets found. But I, I, the way it's going, I 
I, my hopes are not too high on that right now. Uh, Phil, last words. Just want to say I'm delighted to be in the company of everyone on this panel. I think that we're all professionals and all of our input made a lot of sense. I enjoyed this program. Bill, you're doing a great job. Ron, you're doing a great job too. And uh, keep up the good work. Let's hope for some type of, uh, you know, th this case comes to a conclusion. I would love to see this young girl found alive. Doesn't seem very likely at this point, but let's find a conclusion and uh, hold responsible whoever is responsible for her disappearance. Duty Ron, last words. Bill, first of all, I just want to say thank you for having me on with you here. And um, the panel that we have put together here is just, this is a testament to the police work that goes on, not just here in New York City, but across the United States. Consummate professionals who put their heart and soul into bringing justice for the victims and their family, bringing closure to these cases is our primary goal. Uh, we're not here to tip each other's caps and say, look at what I did, look at me, me, me. We're, it's about bringing justice to the, to the family and for the, for the victims. Uh, for the viewers that are out there, and listen, there's hundreds of crime channels, there's hundreds of folks who sit at home and do Google searches and talk about cases. But when you get a, a channel like this, and there's many others that I could just mention all day long with, from the police uh, side, um, there's a few. Okay, police off the cuff with Bill Sergeant Bill Cannon, my channel. Uh, there's the interview room, and there's so so I could just go on for five or ten minutes. But when you want to get something from a police perspective, go to the folks, walk the walk, and talk the talk. We're here to show you the police perspective and the police side. So this way, there's no confusion. There's so much misinformation out in the Twitter sphere and in, in fake book and all over social media. If you sat and listened to it all day long, your head would explode. But at the end of the day, if you want to get factual information from a police perspective, these are the places where you should be. And again, make sure everybody subscribes to Police Off the Cuff and hits the bell and notification. But I'm honored to be here with this panel. Duty, Ron, thank you for all you have do and have done and will do in the future, I hope, for Police Off the Cuff. Irma, you're, you're a superstar. And, Wait, uh, I have. I don't have a, a police sign, but I have this Lower East Side. Yes, <laughs> Lower East Side, baby. She's the Lower East. She's the Lower East. And how about this? <laughs> that's, that's, Where did you get that microphone from, Bill? Uh, and this new microphone I got from Duty Ron, and you can see uh, he's got on our cup. That's our motto at Police Off the Cuff: dipped in butter. You know. I'm gonna bring my cup next and time. I also want to thank Josh, who is also Duty Ron's. A webmaster, and he's doing an unbelievable job for us at Police Off the Cuff. And uh, look, I'm very, I'm very thankful. I've been podcasting now for two and a half years, and it's taken me this long to catch wow. on. And and uh, we have over 280 shows, and we sort of changed format a little. We were trying to be really funny in the beginning. There's still humor, but I like the really serious cases like this too, you know, because it brings me back to my days in homicide, my days in the detective squad, when we brought closure to people and we worked so hard on cases to get closure for the families of, of homicide victims and not just even oh, missing persons or any kind of crime or robbery victims. I worked for years in robbery. And you're seeing people on this panel that have done the job for uh, duty run over 20 years. 
Uh, Irma Rivera missed homicide, almost 25. Phil Grimaldi, oh, 20. 25. 25 and a half. Okay, Irma, 25 and a half. She wants to explain 22. those 59 years. She wasn't <laughs> She wasn't messing around. And, of course, Phil Grimaldi, a great, great guy, great detective. And I'm just so thankful to be around all you people. And uh, all you folks that came by tonight, God bless you. And uh, thank you so much. And if you could subscribe to Police Off the Cuff if you like what you're seeing, I'd really appreciate. For all you guys, thank you so much and good night. Stay safe, everybody. Peace from New York. Bye. Pray for summer. <laughs>